Hello and welcome to the Common Sense Gospel. I'm Danny Simmons. And I'm Kurt Norbit. Today our title for this show is, Is the Body Complete? We're just asking the question, is the body complete? What we'd like to do today is to pose that question to all of you who are listening. And we know that as we go through this, you'll be able to answer that very question in the local body where you are a member and where you are attending. Um, I have here a little sheet. I, I'll just read it for you. It was something that was given to me a long time ago, and it, and it really helped me uh, to think about it uh, in a different way. But just, just going to services. The title of the sheet is Church Attendance versus Sporting Attendance. So going to a sporting event versus churches. So, so imagine a dedicated sports fan who we know would never miss a game making these statements. Just see if this makes sense to you. Someone who would never miss a game, and they come to you and they say, every time I go, they ask me for money. The people I sit by aren't very friendly. The seats are too hard and uncomfortable. The, the coach never comes to call on me. I'm not the center of attention. You know, imagine going to a sporting event and <laughs> wanting to be the center of attention. Yeah. Or, or worried that X amount of people didn't say hello to me. It doesn't mm -hmm. even register. That's not why they're there. Right. It's very interesting. Number five, the referees or the umpires make decisions that I don't agree with. Some games go into overtime and I'm late getting home. My parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. Imagine that. My parents <laughs> took me to too many games when I was growing up. Number eight, my kids need to make their own decision about which sports they will attend or which sporting events they will attend. And we can see how sad that is uh, when you tie those two together, church attendance versus sporting attendance. And, and we want to talk, obviously, about the importance uh, of our own personal attendance, the growth that, that develops through that process, and then also the dangers um, that befall us and some of the things that aren't happening that God intended when we don't attend. Yeah. yeah I was, when we were, <clears throat> excuse me, when we were thinking of this topic and discussing what we wanted to do with it, I just couldn't help but remember a story that has always stuck, stuck with me. I don't know if I heard it or read it somewhere. Uh, it's fairly popular, so many people might be familiar with it. I call it the ember on the hearth. I don't know if there's another title for it, but basically, and I don't even know if it's a true event or not, but I always thought it illustrated the point really well. There's a, the story is that there's a gentleman who stopped attending services, just wasn't showing up anymore. So one time the preacher went out to visit him and see what was up, see if there was a problem. And it was an evening, and so the gentleman uh, invited the preacher in, and they went and sat in front of the fire, and they just sat there. The preacher didn't say anything, and the gentleman's, of course, waiting for the obvious shoe to drop. But after a little while, they're, as they're sitting there gazing at the fire, the preacher gets up and, and takes the tongs and pulls an ember out of the fire and just lays it out on the hearth and sits back down. So they're sitting there watching this ember. And of course, it's a bright orange, it's really hot and everything, but as a few moments goes by, it starts to dim and it gets redder and redder, dark, red, and pretty soon, it's just about out. So then the preacher gets back up and picks the ember back up and puts it back in the fire among the other embers. And very quickly, it flares back up to the radiance that it once had and the, and the, the heat, the activity that it was developing. 
and uh, just went and sat back down. Still didn't say anything to the gentleman. <laughs> Finally, the gentleman goes, Preacher, I'll be there next Sunday. And he, he saw the point. That is, when you separate yourself, you are going to go out. You're right. going to die spiritually. Right. You're not getting any sustenance. You needed to be near the fire to maintain your own fire, your own glow, your own light, so to speak. Yeah. And that reminded me of uh, Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes 4, beginning at verse 9, where he said, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now that's, he's primarily dealing with the concept of being alone and loneliness and having a friend. But the principle applies to being a part of the body. Yes. There is strength in numbers is the point that, that Solomon is making. And that is certainly true um, when it comes to the Lord's body, the Lord's church, and my relationship with the Lord. I, I have to be honest, if I just quit coming, quit being involved with the saints and quit seeking their encouragement and my trying to encourage them, I would not last very long. I would, I would just gradually slide into the world. I would start doing more worldly things. My, my ember would grow dimmer and dimmer. And if I didn't get placed back in the fire, if I didn't want to retake my place in the body, I'd go out. Yeah, the parable of the sower, I think, is in that too. You have the deceitfulness of riches, the cares and the concerns of this mm -hmm. world. That when you remove yourself from the spiritual part of your life, the, you know the teaching, the instruction, the reminders of, hey, we're, we're in a fight here. We, we got we got to hold together as an army. Would certainly yeah. do if they're going to win. That those things, if they're not repeated and, and given to us and, and taught in different ways, that uh, we we do lose the strength that we once had, and the church is is now weaker uh, because of the decision that we've made when, when we decided not to be there. And so you know, is the body complete? Well, the answer is that within each one of us, the body's complete if I'm there as a working, living member of the Lord's church. And I, I was thinking, yeah. too, about, you know, the I, w I can just imagine preachers, elders, uh, the inordinate amount of time that they've spent talking to members about their attendance. You know, the, the preacher, sometimes he's asked to give a sermon. Sometimes he says, I'm giving a sermon because we are falling apart here. Uh, and and they, the goal is to preach to those who are not attending, but the ones who need the message aren't there. Right. So, so that now the preacher has to guess or call these folks and say, you really should be at services so that he can preach that lesson and make those spiritual applications for them. And, and it's, it's just amazing to me that we have spent so much time on this topic because it should be one, as you said, just the principles of life, the burning fire. There are things we do every day that go, oh, we're stronger when there's more of us. Yeah, yeah. that's always been true. Mm -hmm. in, in all the years of armies coming up against army, Jesus even says, which one, which which king would not first make sure his army's big enough, yeah, right, right, to go to war? Because <laughs> yes. if not, he's going to reach an agreement. Yeah, 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 he, yeah he doesn't yeah. want to fight, and so we, those things are there 
all day long for us. And then when we get to going to services, we, we allow those natural stumbling blocks like, well, you know, it's, it's early or they, we always go over or someone's been mean to me. It's just always going to be a list that the devil will provide mm-hmm. for us not to go. And as you said, now we're not with the saints and we are becoming weaker. Each Lord's Day, as a member of the church, my place is in the assembly of the saints. Not because I'm a preacher, not because I'm a deacon, not because I'm an elder, not because I'm in charge of the communion trays that Sunday. It's because I am a Christian. And my faithful attendance is vital to the health and the growth of the church. It's also vital to my own personal growth, which you touched on. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to go out. And I, I like that sports analogy you started our discussion with. You know, applying those complaints and and what have you excuses really to any other realm is ridiculous you wouldn't well I'm not going to go to the game because the seats are uncomfortable all of those statements would never be heard for someone who wants to go to the event well the same is true for someone who wants to be with the saints you won't hear those reasons you'll hear them when someone doesn't want to be with the saints. And it's a, let's be honest, it's an attempt to justify a decision not to assemble with the saints. It could be like a half-truth. Yeah. It's just enough for me to it's, get away It's with a way it. to, for me to calm myself, you know, I've, I've got a good reason right. not to go. That's right. Really, is it, would it be a good reason if you told your boss, I'm not showing up at work today because... The seats are no, nobody, <laughs> nobody asks my opinion for the corporate decisions. Uh, my chair is pretty uncomfortable, you know, and no one's suggesting to improve it. You just go down that list. It, it just doesn't fly. They can't and, work. And what it does is it reveals the heart. That's an ember that is dying. That's right. That is very true. In, in Acts 2, when the mm. church began, yeah. verse 41 says, Those who gladly received his word, Peter's preaching, they were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. So this is the very beginning now. The apostles are there working miracles for sure. It says in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So so these miraculous works are, are a part of this. Then it says, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So in Acts 2, these folks, obviously, holding fast to the apostles' doctrine, they understood the importance and the value of regularly assembling together. They were all diligently and actively involved in service to the Lord. And it's such a beautiful thing. So the question is, what's the difference between the first century disciples that we just read about mm-hmm. and Christians today? The reality, Kurt, is that we we claim when we stand up before the congregation, we have visitors with us, We claim to have restored the first century Christianity that we see in Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4. And yet, as a church, as a body, we're Mm -hmm. failing in this area where they were were excelling. 
Every yeah. day they were together. They sold possessions to care for each other. They were intimately involved in, in one another's uh, goings on in, in their life, and, and, and they were aware of needs that, that had come mm -hmm. up within the church. So again, if I don't attend, that, that's another thing that I think about. If I don't attend, I say, well, um, you know, this is a pretty good excuse. I, I'm just not going to go this Sunday. There's a couple things as a working member of the church that you have said I'm not going to do. Number one is listen to the word that's preached and confirm that it's the word. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Apostasy could be creeping in while you're away if you're a disciple of Christ. And you need to be fully aware of that. Um, the other is I don't know what's happening with my brethren. All the conversations that I could have had about an upcoming surgery, mm -hmm. um, challenges in the family, uh, concern about a, a, a child who's, who's walking away from the truth, I've missed all of that, the opportunities to pray for those people. The body is now suffering. And guess who doesn't see any of that unfold? The person who decided not to go. Right. So it is easy to say, I'm just not going to go and miss out on all of that. And as I said, we, every individual has a responsibility who's a member of the Lord's church to listen to the, the word that is being preached and to confirm these things are so, Acts 17 and verse 11, be like the Bereans, confirm that that which is taught is true according to the word of God. If someone visited a congregation where you attended and you missed, and, and they came to you that week at work or something, and they just said, man, I didn't know y'all believed, uh, you know, in, in some weird thing out of it. And you say, we don't teach that, we don't believe that. Well, your preacher said that y'all do. You weren't there. You yeah. can't defend that. You don't know what was said, you know. <clears throat> so yep. that's a scenario to, to show why it is important, but it is really the the actively listening to what's being preached and com either confirming or approaching that man and saying that is not what the Word of God teaches mm -hmm. to correct him if he needs it because he's trying to get to heaven too. Right. And he needs your help. Yes, we all need each other's help. That The road isn't traveled alone. No. Uh, you, you, we like to say, well, I'm traveling it with Jesus. Well, Jesus' body on this earth is his people. The church is the body of Christ. That's right. And essentially, you know, I used to run into this. Someone out in the religious world would just say, well, I'm not a member of any church because I, I, I just worship the Lord my own way. You know, I, I, do, I serve him my own way, and that's, that is good. Hmm. Well, that same, that's the attitude we're addressing because you can see it even among members of the church. It, it's just manifesting itself. Basically, that person is saying, like we've indicated, I don't need my brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't need my spiritual family that Jesus died for. I can make it on my own. Hmm. Really? Really? Do you really think that that's possible? Yeah, be careful. God doesn't think it's possible. No. That's why in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, he said, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the custom of some is, but gathered together more and more as you see the day approaching. We're to admonish one another. We're to encourage one another. Um, it's just that person then is, is, whether they know it or not, disobeying that command. That's right. Well, I don't need to assemble. Well, God seems to feel that we do. That's why he's commanded it because it's for our good. He, yep. he doesn't command something that's going to be harmful for us or that we don't need. He knows that that's good for us and that we need that. And uh, 
really, again, that person is saying, well, I can have fellowship with God on my terms. Well, God does not accept that. He's the aggrieved party here. Right. We have rebelled against him and sinned. He lays down the terms of fellowship. And interestingly enough, a moment ago you mentioned an army and it just made me think about the picture of a Christian as a soldier. Mm -hmm. Do you really expect to go out and fight a battle on your own? Okay, men, we're launching the offensive right now. Men, Kurt, go get them. <laughs> uh, well, where's the rest of the army? Well, you don't need us. You just go out and take them. Yeah. No, you need the army involved for a successful campaign. That's right. So there's that picture again. Soldiers don't serve on their own unattached. There's no independent soldier, just like there's no such thing as an independent Christian. Yep. Uh, Paul says in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 that we're all part of a body. And I, I just want to read uh, beginning at verse 20. He says, Indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And yet, that's basically what we're hearing. I don't, I don't have to attend today. Or the hand says, you don't yeah. need me. Yeah, I, I have no need of you. It's, that individual member is telling the body, I don't need you. Yeah. And he's also saying, you don't need me. Yeah. Do you not think that you're more useful than that? But Paul goes on. Uh, the, uh, Nor can the head say to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather. Those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Right. Each member is necessary. Of course. If you take a member, if some member of my body is removed, my body's not going to function really as it should. Yeah. And so you start taking members out of the Lord's body. That's going to reduce its effectiveness. It's not going to function like it should. Or as you pointed out, God is building a, a temple for himself out of us. We're living stones. You don't want to be a brick in that temple? You're not necessary? Can, the, can a brick get up and say to the builder, uh, you don't need me. I, I don't want to be part of this building. I can, I can be a building all by myself. Come on. It's ridiculous. You know, yeah. It, it begins to show how, how, how foolishly deadly that kind of reasoning can be. And 1 Corinthians 12 says that he places each part, each member, where he pleases. Uh, yeah, I was looking in that, uh, where was it, verse 18, I think? Yes. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. In other words, he's the master builder, and when he sees this stone, this brick, he says, that one needs to go right there. Right. That's the place for it. Yeah. He sets it in there as he pleased. So the person who says, I don't need to be a part of the building, I can be a building all by myself, just one lonely brick, one stone, they're basically telling God, no, you can't use this brick. Yeah, your plan is broken. Yeah, uh, I don't... despite where you see that I'm perfect, this brick can fit right here. It That's should be there. exactly where it's needed to be. No, God, uh, you're not going to get to use this brick because I can be a, an independent brick. It just, it just doesn't make sense. No, and we, we have to know that's not pleasing to the Lord. You mentioned Hebrews 10, uh, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And he says there, which is the manner of some. So we don't want to pretend this is a 20th century issue. Yeah. The Hebrew writer says, 
you're already doing this. Some of you are forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. And he says, do not do it. Some are already doing it. So the warning is there. I think it, right. it makes that warning stronger. Not only that, all of that flows out of verse 23, where he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. So when we come together, we're holding fast the confession of our hope without wavering. That, that's our faith, our confidence in the Lord is built on attendance. And, and all those things are tied mm -hmm. together by the living word of God. And so they, they cannot be ignored. They shouldn't be ignored if we are really trying to please the Lord and, and to do it his way. And I think it's significant, too, that the conclusion the writer makes to that list we've just been looking at in those verses, exhorting one another, don't forsake the assembly because you need to be exhorting one another. Why? And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, there are different understandings of what the day is. But whatever that day is, it's approaching and God says we need to be encouraging each other as that day is coming. That's right. Because in some way, it's apparently some kind of a trial. I think most people could agree on that. It's a day that we need to be aware of that's a concern. And to prepare for it, to be ready for it and equipped for it, we need to be exhorting one another day by day. That's right. And, and you can't do that if you're not working with the saints. Right. An exhortation is a warning. It's yes. A, it's a strong, mm -hmm. stern warning and a correction. It's a correcting statement that let's make sure this is done correctly uh, and we should be exhorting one another. So again, if someone doesn't come, they're not exhorted, neither are they exhorting. Right. And so if they fail, the You're robbing your brethren of, uh, of an opportunity to encourage you. That's what they want to do. That's what they come together for. I, I mean, think, unfortunately, yeah. we're, I think we're just looking for something else. I mean, I... The, the Bible's clear. You know, we, we could hammer this for months if we wanted to. Yeah. The Bible's clear about the instruction. I, and there's something else within people, whether it's gradual, probably for most it's gradual. Yeah. But but it just it comes to the point where it's right. like, you know what? I just, I thought it was for me and it's not. Which brings me to another point that I try to make. You know, it's kind of like when when you step into marriage, for example. We, we want to go to a marriage ceremony and be eyewitnesses, hold those people accountable for their commitment to one another, the vows that we all hear them make. Those, those things are important. Uh, but the member of the Lord's Church is very similar in the sense, the way that people place membership, you know, we're, at least here, uh, they want to visit with the elders. The elders go over a few things with them and kind of make sure that they're, they're in a saved relationship with God first. Mm -hmm. um, and then they encourage them to say, look, we, we want you to be a working part of this body. Mm -hmm. We are going to be your shepherds. And we, so that's an agreement. They, they come into that together. I want to be a member here. So, you know, again, it's plaguing to me that we have to call on members yeah. who have gone through the meeting and said, I want to be a participating part of this effort. That by itself shows that they begin to, to negate or just say, you know what, ah, I'm changing my mind. It happens in marriages too. People get divorced all the time. Is it right? No. It's, it really is the same principle. And it bothers me. I say, well, why did you even meet with the elders? Yeah. What was the point? If you wanted to worship the Lord out on the lake, then why didn't you just go do that and not go through these steps? And they, you know, each individual, they need to answer that because that'll help them kind of sort out where they are and how they got there. Yeah. Something in their priority list has changed. Yeah. But basically what you're saying is what, what was your intention when you said, I want to be a member of this congregation, this local body? Right. What did that mean 
to this individual who now is saying, I, I doesn't really matter whether I'm a member. Right. I, I'm still a member. I'm in the directory, but I, you know, I just don't show up. You didn't vaguely mention that request to a coworker, you know, mm-hmm. in some obscure moment. You sat down with the elders and had a conversation with them about shepherding mm-hmm. your soul. And now, yep. and now we can't get you. It's like we're trying to pull you through a knothole, and, and you're you're not wanting to acknowledge any of this. It's just I don't know. It really is hard for me to process well, all of along that. that line. You know, that's what I did when I first came to Northwest five years ago, and I saw what was going on here, heard the preaching, saw the attitude of the members, the the kind of atmosphere that had been promoted by the shepherds here. Uh, of a family, a loving family wanting to serve each other mm-hmm. and help each other. I said, yeah, this is a place where I can be a member. That, you know, whatever abilities I have, I can use those to contribute to the building up of the body here. That's right. So I asked to get together with the elders, and they, of course, uh, were delighted to comply. And we sat down, and uh, among other things, they discussed what the work here is. Uh, how I expected to be involved in it, and I told them what experience I had in, in various aspects of of the work of the church. And so they put me to work. They, you know, well, they, of course, <laughs> wanted to see what I could do, so they gave me a small class to teach. Sure. Uh, had me maybe lead singing on Wednesday night to see, does this guy really have it together or not? Well, apparently, I... It was a satisfactory, <laughs> a satisfactory tool in the box because I've been privileged to be able to preach sermons here. I yep. lead singing regularly. I've been asked to teach classes, and I've enjoyed that. I've made recommendations to the elders that here's a subject that I think would be interesting. They take it, discuss it. You know, is it applicable? Would it be worthwhile to the group? And they'll come back and say, yes, let's schedule it into the, into the rotation. Yep. And they've allowed me to do that. And that's encouraging to me. Right. I mean, <laughs> I love the opportunity of studying the Bible with my brethren and, and trying to bring things out, stimulate thinking and ask questions. And even if I turn around and say, well, I don't really need to be a member of the body here. I'm depriving myself of that opportunity to grow because even though I've been a Christian for 43 years now or whatever, I still am growing Yeah. as as I'm preparing for our Romans class in March. I'm growing because of that, because I'm, yeah. I'm plugging in new things that I've learned since the last time I taught Romans, which was a long time ago. <laughs> so I've learned more, and I'm plugging that in. I'm going, wow, that really, now I see that clearer. Yeah. That makes a little more sense now. I, I'm depriving myself of those opportunities. That's right. If I'm not assembling with the brethren and... I'm depriving them of opportunities to gain from whatever talents I might have that, right. that I, the elders see fit to use here in the body. Yeah. And that, that's, am I thinking of myself or am I thinking of my brothers and sisters? That's really what it comes down to. Both. Yeah. In, in, it, it, yeah, in a way it's both. I'm not yeah. thinking of myself selfishly, mm-hmm. but I'm thinking just like God says. I'm growing. I need that encouragement. Yeah. I, as an ember, I need to be in that fire. In order to maintain my heat, that's right. You know, I've, I've, I need two or three to work with me together, because then it's a lot easier to, to get to the goal. Yeah, you know, when I first started attending services in 2003, I just baptized in June of 2003, and 
it was right in the beginning, but I remember a preacher mentioning from the pulpit that someone was sick that day. Mm. And uh, and he said, you know, brother, I, I forgot the man's name, you know, Brother Smith is really sick because he never misses. Mm-hmm. And that made such an impact on me mm-hmm. that everyone knew something was really wrong mm-hmm. because he, he this is priority one for him. Right. And if he's not here, he may be in the hospital. He may be dead. Yeah. Because something we've seen him unusual. drag his yeah. limp body in here before. Yeah. And so that made a really big impact on me. It's just that simple statement. We know he's really sick. You know what I thought? Wow. Because some people, some people say, oh, I'm sick. Uh, I'm sick. I was sick. I was sick for the last two months, actually. I forgot to tell you, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that doesn't, Normally that does they, not pass the test. Someone. Right. A person who wants to be here, strives to be here, just like the sporting event. You know, I was thinking when Michael Jordan retired and he was playing that last round of games and everyone knew this was it. Mm-hmm. Tickets went from five to eight thousand dollars per seat, and they they didn't put cushions on them. They were still the hard yeah. plastic seat. They why didn't, they didn't spiff up the arena? Why did you want to pay that much? It was one reason to see Michael Jordan. So same thing here. Why are you determined to be at services on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday night? Because Jesus Christ is there. That's right. Two or more gather in my name. There I will be with them also, and I want to be there well, too. When we see the body coming together in love and studying diligently and singing joyfully and praising God, we're seeing Jesus. <laughs> Amen. That's I'd rather go way. see Jesus than Michael Jordan any day. Right. Me too. Because Michael Jordan is just an athlete. He's a he's man. He's just, just a like man. And he's going to die just like me, and he's going to face his judge just like me. Yeah. And so there's that leveling field, isn't it? Yep. That each man, that's a point the man wants to die, and after this, the judgment. Um, so just one more thing we should touch on because of this attendance question, especially today and with mm-hmm. uh, the COVID situation, uh, no end in sight. Um, what, what are your thoughts on virtual? Well, you know, we've been going on this now for two years, pretty much a year and a half. And uh, I think it's a wonderful technology to have uh, live streaming on YouTube and, and have Zoom classes and all of that. Um, my concern is, though, that it can easily develop into a live stream habit where, you know, I've been doing this for over a year and uh, I just don't feel like it's ready for, for me to go back yet. Now, that's an individual decision. Mm-hmm. But I think it needs to be thoughtfully and carefully and prayerfully considered. Yeah. If, if you're able, you need to be with the Lord's people. That's going to strengthen you and it's going to strengthen me. And we've already seen, we talked about it before, members who stopped coming, it just, you know, because they couldn't come, the, the attendance here was restricted. We used to have just 10 people here to get things done. Right. But then they never have come back. And after two and a half years, or one and a half to two years, you start to wonder, has that become a live stream habit? Are they even tuning in on live stream? Right. We don't know because they're out of touch with the body. That live streaming, as nice a a technology as it is, is no substitute for fellowship. It's no substitute 
for exercising yourself as a part of the body, for giving encouragement. I mean, when I saw people coming back that we'd missed for a long time, yeah, I was encouraged. That was awesome. It is great to see you again, sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so. That's right. Really missed having you here with us and being together with you. Uh, and that was exciting. It was. To see people coming back. But it concerns me that there are people who still have never come back. And I just wonder if they allowed themselves to be distracted by the cares of the world. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. And I know the elders have been in touch with them. Sure, yeah. Uh, There's things, working parts moving now to to try to get some of this. Mm -hmm. The elders and some of the deacons, there are people reaching out. And the, I think brethren we haven't seen for a while, and we still haven't seen them. You want to ask yourself the question, uh, Jesus says, when two or more are gathered in my name. Um, mm-hmm. What does it mean to gather? What's he talking about? Does he mean it? Is he saying, if I, if I watch someone else gather through a virtual signal, hmm. am I gathered with them? Uh, and I would submit the answer is no. I agree. Uh, and you get back to Hebrews 10, uh, do not forsake the assembling. Now we have a different word, and yet right. we have the same. These, these are members gathering together. There is much accomplished through that uh, real-time interaction, the ability to shake hands, uh, to look into the people we love, to look into their eyes and see how they're doing, how they're feeling, uh, what they may need, what their concerns are. Uh, the virtual is, is no substitute. Right. Um, now, we, again, we there there are, there's lanes for that probably with the sure. shut-in, the shut-in who can't people get out. invalid or they're ill. Right. Yeah, and they, so now they have this opportunity to just still hear the sermon, to hear mm-hmm. the singing, to see the song leader that, that they love so much. There's some reward there, but we can't. It's no substitute. No, we can't compare that to the assembling because it is not assembling. Yeah. You are not there. And you're just flat, not assembled. So yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of it for that reason. But but by the same token, I understand the beauty of it in, in those special moments. Right. Uh, you know, it goes back to the brother who we know he's sick because he'd mm-hmm. never miss. Guess what he's doing? If he's sick and he's at home, he is online. He's tuned in, yep. Because he wants yep. to make sure that preacher's telling the truth. <laughs> I mean, really. He wants to hear the singing, right? He's devoted yep. to God. And every action he takes is based upon that devotion. And it shows people pick up on it. And by the same token, people pick up on it when we're not committed the right. way we should be. And attendance is just a small litmus test of that mm-hmm. of that problem. Yeah, it's kind of a visible uh, example of of where I am yeah. with the Lord. So the question is: Is the body complete? Again, that's for each one of us, Kurt and I, and those who are listening today. If you're a member of the Lord's Church, uh, you can answer that for yourself. If you're not there, the body where you attend is not complete and you need to be there. If you're attending and you are going, you may notice, uh, just as Kurt and I have, that there are those who are not attending. We want that body to be complete. We should reach yes. out to them. Mm-hmm. Christ died for their soul. They know that. So, you know, the, this is not a cold call thing. This is someone who understands those truths and just say, look, I understand your, your concern about COVID or whatever else is happening, but um, your attendance is very important, important to God. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's having an effect on me. Jonathan told David, when, when David said, I'm going to hide out here in the field for three days, the first thing Jonathan said to David is, your seat will be empty and you will surely be missed. Yes, that's a good point. Such that's a right. great statement. Yep. When you're not there, there's going to be a hole in the seat where you sit. Mm-hmm. And it affects us in the negative side just the way it would 
be encouraging to see you come back. So that's right. All, all those things are worth thinking about. And they're very valuable to us. You ready for the trivia questions? Well, I hope so. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go first because I'm just I, I think you're gonna be good to me today, even though <laughs> even though you said you weren't. And I think you may even soften this up. You may give me an extra hint because I'm letting you go first and you know just being super nice. Doesn't change the question, Danny. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you should get it. It's, maybe it's a little bit of a trick question, but how many letters were written to the church at Ephesus? Oh, you're right. It is a trick. Well, how many letters? Let me just say, I know two for sure. We have the letter that John was told to write in Revelation to the church in Ephesus. We have the Ephesian letter which Paul wrote to the church. Now, the reason why I think it's a trick question is because when the Ephesian letter showed up, there were other letters potentially with the carrier who brought that letter, yeah. right? Yep. But remember, remember where those letters were going. If, I'm, if I have this right, it's, it's going to Colossae? Mm-hmm. One is, one is going to go to Philemon. Right. And then one has got to go to Laodicea. Correct. And then they're going to trade with Colossae. Colossae. Right. But how many, how many letters were written specifically to the church in Ephesus? Specifically it's it's got to be two. You're correct. Oh, man. And that's it. I was thinking you were going to try to loop all those together. Yeah, no, and be like, no, no, They read they, other people's they mail. Were not, they were not. Well, they may have, they may have had those they letters have. read to them. They may have. Because most of these letters were circular, but specifically addressed to Ephesus was Paul's letter and then John writing to Ephesus in Revelation 2. Nice. The church that had left his first love. So you nailed it. Yeah, and that's a Very great good. question because I got it right. So anytime, <laughs> there you go. Anytime I get it right, that's a great I question. I started you off easy. So My questions are going to be based on excuses, people who have excuses for why they shouldn't do Uh-oh. what. God's okay. told them to do. I, don't, I think we kind of were talking about that today. Yeah, this may have something to do with our topic. <clears throat> okay. Um, give me. Uh, I counted a total of five uh, statements or um, reasons why Moses said he couldn't or should oh not be the one to go. Can you give me three things <laughs> just in response? And Moses says to God, "Well," mm. and you fill in the blank. Uh, the only one that comes to my mind right off is when he says, very eloquently tells God that I'm not an eloquent man. <laughs> yeah. That always struck me. Yeah. <laughs> Either he knew how to or say or after or whatever yeah. he says. Yeah. I'm not an eloquent man. Uh, That's other one. Than, other, yes, one out of five. I, I'm, I'm doing 20%. <laughs> um, I can't really recall any of the other specifics. So it wouldn't be just an excuse. It'd be like, his reply to when God says, go do this, and he goes, well, here, you know, how about this? Yeah. So that opens it a little bit. It's not, it's not an excuse. Well, he ultimately says, let, let God send the one he wills to send, you know, yep. anybody but me. That's right. And God basically says, you're the one I've chosen, so go. Yes. The Lord eventually um, gets angry. So that's two. Yeah. Send someone else. I'm not eloquent. I can't, I can't think of any other ones. I'll give them to you in order that I have them. Okay. Uh, the first thing Moses says to the Lord is, who am I? That's okay. Exodus 3.11. I was kind of thinking of, you know, he was going to talk about not being important, but I couldn't 
couldn't put it together in my head, but yeah. So the, God replies and says, have I not sent you? And then mm-hmm. Exodus 3.13, Moses says, who are you? Right. Because they're going to ask, and who do I say has sent me, remember? Uh, I thought of that one too, but I didn't really think of that as an excuse not to go. Right. That's why I tried to open it a little bit. But it's not an excuse. Yeah. It, these are just like, well, what about this? And how yeah, about they're that? They're going to ask me who you are. Right. Who, what do I say? Chapter 4, verse 1, suppose they will not believe me or listen to me. Uh, and then, then the two you had, I'm not eloquent, that's 410. Please send someone else is 413. So there's just five, you know, just stops, hard stops when the Lord says, yeah. you go. And he says, oh, Here, my. Here's an objection, Your Honor. <laughs> yeah. This is why this is not going to work. Yeah. Well, I got 40%. That's a solid failing grade, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Most teachers are very displeased with that. Yeah. All right, what's number two for me? Okay. This one's out of the Old Testament. <clears throat> Who slept at her master's feet, and why did she do it? Ruth. Correct. Ruth slept at Boaz's feet because her mother-in-law, Naomi, told her to do it. But you're asking why? Yes. uh, Why why would Naomi have told her to do that very odd-sounding thing? She went and covered herself. She covered herself, yeah. Uh It's a sign of uh, full submission. Or a, a request for, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of why. I mean, he, he understood right away. Yeah, he knew what was going on. Uh, but Ruth explains it. Um, let me get over Let's there. let her tell us. Ruth, there she is. Chapter 3 of this beautiful story. I just love the book of Ruth. Uh, it says, after Boaz had eaten and drunk, Ruth 3, 7, he went. And his heart was cheerful. He went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And she came softly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Now it happened at midnight that the man was startled and turned himself. And there a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, Who are you? She answered, I am Ruth, your maidservant. Take your maidservant under your wing, for you are a near kinsman. Then he said, Blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning and that you did not go after young men, whether rich or poor. So she was basically informing him that she, a widow, is a near kinsman. And he understood what that meant. Yeah. There was a responsibility there. I need to take her as my wife under my wing and raise up seed for, for the inheritance. Yeah. And he actually says that. It is a great story, too, because, you know, she gives him this information about how all this works. And uh-huh. then he goes, oh, there's one before me. Right. Which shows that he's he, already done the research. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he knew it, too. Yeah. He would have known the status sure. of the near, nearest kinsman. But it showed that he wasn't willing to give up. Yeah, that's right. He, he just said, there's one ahead of me. Yeah. So let me go d- deal with this. In front of the elders. And then when Ruth went back. And told Naomi what happened. She said, basically, okay, just sit here. The man won't rest until this is settled. He's going to take care of it. And yeah. so he went to the gate, and that whole beautiful story unfolds. And and he and Ruth entered into a very fruitful relationship because ultimately their direct descendant was David the king. The fruit is still being and born finally, of that relationship. And finally, Jesus Christ the king. Yeah. That's the seed awesome. of David. Yeah. Okay, well, give me a chance to redeem myself now. All right. All right. No, this is only one answer to this. Oh, okay, good. Is it true or false? Yes no. or no? <laughs> Something easy. Um, we, I was nice to you. Oh, boy. 
<laughs> the question reads. Guilt the trip. question reads. Um, excuses is what we're talking about. Excuses. Okay, more excuses. Okay. What was Jeremiah's excuse when the Lord called him to root out, to pull down, to destroy and throw down, to build and to plant? Hmm. Why did Jeremiah say that? I don't. I don't know. Really? Man, I thought for sure. It's been a them. long time since I've read Jeremiah. Probably. If it's in chapter one, does that help? <laughs> well, I assumed it would be. <laughs> All right. I can't remember what he said to the Lord. Uh, word for word, he says, "Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth." Oh. Okay. And, and that's when the Lord tells him, "Yeah, before you were born, I knew you." Mm-hmm. Don't tell the Lord that you can't do what he's telling you to do right? because of some earthly problem you have. God yeah. would not require something of you that you couldn't fulfill, which goes back to attendance. You know, someone says, boy, I'd love to be there. but uh, And then, you know, whatever, you just write in whatever you want. And God says, what I tell you to do? Right. Why did you think this excuse was going God to... is not going to give us a job that we can't perform. Imagine Why Lord, would he do that? Yeah, imagine him talking to Jeremiah. Stupid. Jeremiah goes, oh, but I'm young. And the Lord goes, oh, oh man. You're right. I, I, yeah. Okay, wait a year. You'll be yeah, old I'll, I, I'll come back, I guess, whenever you get yeah. older, Jeremiah. Come on, That's folks. ridiculous. Yeah. It, sh- it, it makes it look like God didn't would not have had the ability to to know that that was possibly coming. <laughs> or or that Jeremiah's yeah. youth would be a problem. Yeah. It's not a problem. Well, it it you know, the thought just popped in my mind. That kind of fits with the way that God the way that God likes to do things. Yep. He uses the weak things to confound the strong and the That's foolish right. things to confound the wise. So here you have power. this youth going to the city uh, and courageously speaking the word for I think fifty years or something like that is Constantly how long he preached. Telling the truth. Even when God tells him, you know, I'll, I'll give you what you need to say. I'm going to put the words in your mouth. So don't worry about that. But I will let you know, no one's going to listen to you. Yeah. But I want you to preach it anyway because you're a warning to the people. Yeah. So, he was faithful. Yep. He was faithful to that. He tried to stop. I think yeah, there were times he, <laughs> he, he tried to stop, but he said it, the, the word of the Lord that was in me was like a burning in my bones. I right. could burning not withhold that's right. And I had to. Even, even when I didn't want to, I had to speak the word of the Lord. I love Jeremiah. Very good. Well, is the church complete? Again, it's up to you to answer that question for yourself. We hope that it is because of your faithful dedication to God and to his people who need you so much at this time. We hope and pray, as always, that this lesson has been helpful to you and that you are blessed throughout the rest of your day and faithful service to God.